Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Right? But we go to the Creator. He created all things. So we can go to Him and we can get what we need. He knows us more than we can possibly understand ourselves even. And so it behooves us to pay attention to the one who made us and to obey Him and to let Him have a hold of our hearts. And may each of us worship Him, not only just in song, but in our lives, tangibly, physically, and anything that we put our hands to. May we all do things to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob finalizes chapter 24 and moves to chapter 25 of the book of Deuteronomy. God continues to instruct the nation of Israel on many of his laws and rules he has given them to follow. Most of the laws that we have were established on a biblical foundation. Therefore, we too should always pay attention to God's word. Remember, as Christians, we believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it is very important that we listen to Him and obey His Word. If you have your Bible handy, please turn to Deuteronomy chapter 24, beginning in verse 10, and follow along with Pastor Rob. Deuteronomy chapter 24, and last week we got into uh, only half, uh, a little less than half, of Deuteronomy chapter 24. We got down through verse 9, and Moses now is speaking to the children of Israel. This is his second address to them. There's going to be four addresses. This is the second one, and we're coming to the close of that. And In chapter 27, we're going to be into the third address of Moses speaking to the children of Israel. And what we're covering right now is various laws and various uh, things. And some topics have a little bit more... Um, uh, meat on the bones, if you will, and then others are just a sentence or two. But again, God is giving them these things in advance. He's giving them their law, their code of conduct. And most of the laws that, that we have on our books here in the United States, they all have a foundation in the Bible. I don't know if you knew that, but as you start reading the Old Testament and as we start reading these things, you're going to recognize there's a lot of similarities with what we have in our law. And it's it's by design that way, because where else is man going to go? Isn't it better to go to the one who created man, the one who created all things? If he, he's, the, he's the author. He's the creator. You know, would you go to Ford? Would you go to Chrysler and ask for the blueprint for the space shuttle? No, you'd go to, if you want the blueprint to the space shuttle, you better go to NASA. You better find out. Right? But we go to the Creator. He created all things. So we can go to Him and we can get what we need. He knows us more than we can possibly understand ourselves even. 
And so it behooves us to pay attention to the one who made us and to obey him and to let him have a hold of our hearts. And may each of us worship him, not only just in song, but in our lives, tangibly, physically, and anything that we put our hands to. May we all do things to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. May everything we do. So we're looking uh, at verse 10. And we're going to finish chapter 24, and Lord willing, do chapter 25 as well. So let's, let's just read chapter uh, 24. We'll start in verse 10. We're going to read to the, uh, down to the bottom, and then we're going to come back and look at it. So it says in verse 10 of chapter 24, it says, When you lend your brother anything, you shall not go into his house to get his pledge, and you shall stand outside, and the man to whom you lend shall bring the pledge out to you. And if the man is poor, you shall not keep his pledge overnight. You shall in any case return the pledge to him again when the sun goes down, that he may sleep in his own garment and bless you. And it shall be righteousness to you before the Lord your God. You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether one of your brethren or one of the aliens who is in your land within your gates. Each day you shall give him his wages." And not let the sun go down on it, for he is poor and has set his heart on it, lest he cry out against you to the Lord, and it be sin to you. Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own sin. And you shall not pervert justice due the stranger or the fatherless, nor take a widow's garment as a pledge. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this thing. And when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the stranger, again, notice, the fatherless, and again, notice, the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. And when you beat your olive trees, I don't know what the olive trees did wrong, but you're going to beat your olive, I'm just kidding. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over the bows again. It shall be, again, for the stranger, notice, the fatherless, and again, the widow. And when you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this thing. And I love that. We're going we're gonna to get right into it. So let's go back to verse 10. He says, when you lend your brother anything, you shall not go into his house to get his pledge. You shall stand outside, and the man to whom you lend shall bring the pledge out to you. And and notice, uh, let's go on. It says, and if the man is poor, you shall not keep his pledge overnight. You shall in any case return the pledge to him again when the sun goes down, that he may sleep in his own garment and bless you, and it shall be righteousness to you before the Lord your God. And, you know, you think about... You know, some people, when they lend something to someone, you, you normally do it out of compassion, don't you? When you lend to somebody, it's because they have need, and your heart is stirred, and so what do you do as a response? You lend to them. And, and so God, what he's saying here is, when you lend anything to your brother and he gives you a pledge, a pledge is sort of like collateral. If, I, if I'm lending something, if I've lent something to you, I take something from you every day. And that's just a reminder that you owe me something. And, and that's also a catalyst for you repaying me. Because as long as I have this thing every day, it's kind of an inconvenience. And it's always a reminder that, oh, that's right, I've got to pay so-and-so that $50 that I owe him. And he's got my car every day until then, right? Or whatever it may be. 
But notice what God says. He says, even when you lend to your brother, you, you don't just charge into his house. And Because if the motivation of your heart was to love that person, you lent to them because of that, that compassion. Why would you just rush into his house and take his pledge from him and, and do it out of violence? No, you do it out of compassion. And, and notice the integrity of this. God says, you have to wait outside and let the man bring it to you. You don't have access to his home because he owes you something. You don't just come barging in like you own the man. And I love the integrity of that. God is very concerned about integrity. He's, a, he's very concerned about how we do things. And at this time, a pledge was usually some kind of garment. It could be an, a coat or some kind of outer garment that they would wear, especially at night when it got a little more chilly. They would use that uh, to warm themselves. But it could be anything of value, but it was more than likely just a garment of some kind. In Exodus chapter 22, it says this. It says, if you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. And so it's just reiterated here. For that he, that is his only covering. It is his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And it will be that when he cries to me, and I will hear, for I am gracious. And so you can see the Lord, even in pledges, God is a God of order, and he's a God of compassion. He's a God of integrity. He's a God of dignity. And he wants his people to respond to each other in the same way. Isn't that wonderful about God? You know, is there any other God in the universe? Lowercase g, of course. (laughs) Is there any other God that's like this God that we serve? Like this great king who created everything? Jehovah God, Jesus Christ. Is there anybody greater than him? There's nobody like him. Neither could there be. There's no one has compassion. There's no one who loves like he loves. His love turns the world upside down. He's not capricious like Allah, who will just as soon cut your head off as, as, as have you be a part of him. Very capricious, very uh, separate, and, and you, you're always on eggshells whenever you're around him. Are you on eggshells every time you're around God? If you're in the beloved, do you sense that? Aren't you like a child who can go up into his father's arms? Isn't that what Jesus is? Isn't that who he is? Isn't that God our father? We can run up to him. He's our father. He's not someone that we should be frightened of. I mean, certainly it is true that if you don't know Jesus, you ought to be frightened. But as a child of God, I I don't have to fear anymore my acceptance before him because Christ paid the price. Now I can freely go before him and I can just say, you know, Dad, I really need your help. You can approach him like a loving father. You don't have to. And certainly we need to reverence him. We should never forget reverence. Never get so comfortable with God that you become so flippant, like, hey, the, the, the man upstairs. I hate that phrase. <laughs> when people say, oh, I talked to the man upstairs. You didn't talk to anybody. You're not talking to the one I know. You know, if, if, that, if that's who he is to you, you're, you're serving somebody different. No, he's not the man upstairs. He's, he's the great God of all creation. Worship him and revere him. We must not forget that. But he goes on in verse 14 here, and he says, You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether one of your brethren or one of the aliens who is in your land within your gates. And I love this. There are many cases in the Bible where this thing, this scripture is meted out, but the one that I thought of immediately was in 1 Kings chapter 12. You remember that after Solomon had passed on from the scene that his son Rehoboam took up the throne, And this was right at the point when the kingdom of Israel was going to divide from the northern ten tribes, from the northern or southern two tribes. And Rehoboam, if you recall, they were going to anoint him king. And Jeroboam, who had been in Egypt uh, for fear of his life from Solomon, uh, he finally comes back and he gets all Israel together. And they ask him, 
you know, what, what, what they, they, they weren't really excited about the fact that Rehoboam was going to be king. And so Rehoboam, he goes to his father's aides, the ones who had been with his father for many years, and he asks them their opinion. How should I, what should I do to this, this great people? How should I rule them? And it says in verse 7 of 1 Kings chapter 12, and, and the elders, they spoke to him, saying, if you will be a servant of these people today. Notice, if you will be a servant. <laughs> Wait a minute. I think Rehoboam wanted to be served. Being a servant to them wasn't something that was on his radar screen. But any true leader is going to be a servant. He's not going to seek to be served. You don't put anyone on a pedestal. Uh, anyone who is on a pedestal is someone that you serve. You know? but, but God says, the one who is greatest, let him be your servant. That's the way of God. The way of the world is let's exalt a king and let's you know, pay obeisance to him and pay him money and, and revere him and treat him like a god and buy him all the special things that he likes to eat. Make sure that he's driving something really nice and a fancy plane so he can get around a lot quicker because he can't stand in line at the airport. That's just beneath him. So we're going to get him a brand new uh, you know, uh, plane, not just one of those Cessna thingies that are only a couple million dollars. No, we're going to go for the 747, 777 Jumbo Dreamliner. Got to have that because our king deserves something like that, right? Huh. But then Rehoboam, he goes to the young men now that he grew up with, the young men. He listened to the aged men who grew up with his, who served his father Solomon. Now he goes to the young men in verse 10. The young men who had grown up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you shall speak to this people who have spoken to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to them, My little fingers shall be thicker than my father's waist. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. And my father chastised you with whips, but I will chasten you with scourges. That sounds like great advice. You got all these people right before you. Aged men are saying, you know what? Be a servant. Serve them. And the younger men are saying, no, you put them to, you put them to work. Get them to work so we can just sit back and, and play video games. <laughs> but see, Rehoboam took the advice of the younger men, and he put the men, the people of, of God, he made them hired servants. When we looked at verse 14, you shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy. And here you see the very king of Israel, you know, doing the very same thing, oppressing the people rather than releasing their load and being a servant to them. He wanted to be served and he made their yoke harder. And God's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, God is always concerned about the relationship between an owner and those who serve under them, whether it's a bond servant, whether it's a hired servant. You know, and today, because of the abuses and the horrible things that we've heard, especially in our, in our past in the United States, we, we, we've seen the, the very horrible parts of slavery in our country. You know, in the 1800s and the early 1900s down in the South, in Alabama and Mississippi and South Carolina, North Carolina and Georgia, all those horrible abuses, and they were, they were horrible. And there's no excuse for any of that. No excuse. But that wasn't the case for every slave either. Some slaves were blessed under their masters. They had nothing else. They didn't have a place to stay. They didn't have any food. And the master was a good master, and he treated them well. And it's right for us to work so that we can have shelter. It's right for us to work so that we can have food to eat. And such was the case for many. But yet there was this horrible blemish in our country's history where this wasn't the case always. And the same thing was true in Israel. 
There were good masters, and they were not so good masters. But again, God always condoned and encouraged the, the better thing, to treat them kindly, to treat them with respect and dignity. And that's the way God would have us treat each other, regardless of how we feel about each other. To treat each other with compassion, with dignity, with respect. In Proverbs 22, verse 7, it says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. How would you feel if the credit card company or your bank who holds your mortgage came to you and says, Well, you've got a, you've got a, you know, we've got this lawn out here in front of the Family First Federal over here, and uh, I know you guys work a full-time job, but, um, you know, uh, we really could need some gardeners. You know, could everyone who owes us, can, can you, we'll, we'll take a percentage off your mortgage, but we need you guys to help us out with the grounds and, and pick up the debris around and stuff like that. And, and we'd, have, we'd have to do it, wouldn't we? Because we're a servant to the lender. They lent us money, and they could do whatever they wanted. But aren't you glad that you can just work your normal job and pay the bill every, week, every month, and you don't have to actually go out and do any hard labor? In verse 15, it says, Each day... You shall give him his wages and not let the sun go down on it, for he is poor and has set his heart on it, lest he cry out against you to the Lord and it be sin to you. You know, in some cultures, uh, even here in the States, I'm, I'm sure that this is probably true down near the Mexico border. There's a lot of migrants that are working, and, and they, they work day by day for their food and for their, for, for, to, what they, to, to make uh, money for that day. You know, and what God is saying is every single day you need to make sure you give him your wages. Again, in Proverbs, it says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power in your, of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it you when you have it with you. So God is very concerned about timeliness. A workman is worthy of his hire, his wages. And you know, most of us in, in our culture, we get paid bi-monthly. Every two weeks we get a paycheck. And we have to learn how to budget that paycheck, don't we? We have to learn how to do it. And unfortunately, in our culture, that's not happening very much. That's why people are such a great credit card debt. It's, it's an epidemic, honestly. There ought to be, like, classes on teaching people how to manage their money and, be, and to budget because most people aren't doing it. They're just following their emotions. They're, they're, feeling, they're feeling their way through their finances rather than being logical and clear-headed. I feel down and out, so I'm going to go make myself happy and... Uh, go to the Apple store and buy that new MacBook Pro just to make myself feel better. And then the bill comes, and I'm like, oh. But people do it. And it, doesn't, it could be anything. It could be shopping for clothes, whatever. People find their satisfaction, but we have to learn. A simple life is a blessed life. Without the stress of owning things, believe me, your life can be so much more simple and more peaceful instead of the upkeep and the bills associated with it. Have you ever known somebody to have a lot, of, a lot of material possessions? I've known people like that, very wealthy people. They got a lot of stuff, and, and, and they either have to do it themselves or they have to hire somebody else to take care of all their stuff, to, to change the oil in the boat, to change the oil in the sailboat down in uh, Palm Beach, you know, to take the boat out of the water and paint it and, and get it up out of the water and, you know, in the fall before the snow flies and you got to make sure the engine is flush and you got to do this and you got to do that. Some of the most blessed people are the ones who have very little and they have a secret that most people don't understand, never experience themselves. There's a simple, there's a wonderful blessing about just being simple, 
owning few things and being able to pay for them. In verse 16, he goes on, he says, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. And a person shall be put to death for his own sin. Notice, his own sin. Back in the 18th century B.C., right around, just even it predates this, what we're reading tonight in, in Deuteronomy, the, the time frame that we're talking about. Even earlier than this, in Babylon, there was a Babylonian king. He was the sixth Babylonian king. His name was Hammurabi. And he had a, a list of about 282 different codes or laws, and he put them on a, a, a basal stele or a stel, and it's basically this great big uh, rock-looking structure, and it looks like an index finger. And um, on those, there is listed these 282 laws, and I just want to read a couple to you because it makes sense with what we're going to be talking about, especially the verse we just read. Number 229 of Hammurabi's code says this, If a carpenter has erected a poorly constructed house so that the walls cave in and kill the homeowner, the carpenter shall be executed. Okay, that's kind of harsh. You know, it, what it is, is it's like due diligence. You know, he's responsible, I guess, for the house. That, that one I might be able to stomach a little bit. I can understand maybe. But notice this one. If the poorly constructed house causes the death of the homeowner's son... The carpenter's son shall be executed. That's a whole different story, isn't it? Now we're taking my shoddy construction techniques, and now you're going to put my daughter or my son to death because your son, the house caved in and your son got killed. And um, aren't you glad that God's laws are fair and they're just? When man puts forth something like this, this is the best man can do. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If you kill my, my son, then your son has to be put to death, right? But God says, what did he just say? <laughs> fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own, his own sin. Under God's law, you pay the penalty for your own sin. And hopefully you don't have to pay the price for your sin, because if you do, you're condemned forever. If you pay the price for your own sin, the price of your sin, of your own volition, is going to be your life and your life separated from God and hell for eternity. But if Jesus takes the, the sin, your sin upon himself, he pays the price, which he already has. And then now you and I can have everlasting life by faith in the one who took the price and the penalty for our sin. There are four different times in the Scripture, and they're all in the Old Testament, where it talks about this idea of God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations. And I want to show you something that's really interesting here, and you might want to write these four down in the order that I give them to you, because I want to show you something really sweet. And the first one is in Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. And I want you to write down Exodus 34, verse 7. And write down Numbers, chapter 14, verse 18. And then write down Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verse 9. And what is the significance of that order? Well, the very first one reads this. And this is one that's often misconstrued, and people have this warped idea of who God is. I want you to circle the first reference that I gave you, and I want you to circle the final one in Deuteronomy 5, verse 9. Looks like a bookend, doesn't it? 
there's this one on top and the one on the bottom. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.